0: The search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you
1: discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too.
0: Self-actualization making real of the inner self and that means what you love what you're interested in what excites you what fascinates you and that is the cause outside yourself which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the soul welcome to the maslow Peak podcast presented by spring state media group i'm your host Brad rippin and our guest today is monty kroll from blizzard entertainment Hi, going money.
1: It's going great.
0: Good, good. Thanks for uh, being on the show.
1: Thanks. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Monty is a game developer that works on World of Warcraft. Uh, if I remember this right, you described it as you code the hit points and stuff for various items. Is that oversimplifying or...?
1: Yeah, uh, that's not quite it, but I can describe it a little bit for you. It's
0: probably a little more exciting than that, so we're going to get into that. Uh, Monty is a rabid Chicago sports fan. Chicago transplant now in Orange County for how many years now?
1: Uh, 16 years, and uh, we we are quite fond of the Ducks, too.
0: Okay. Okay, so he's equal opportunity. Uh, Monty and I have gone to church together for four or five years now, really got to know each other last year in a men's group that was hosted, uh, right here at Monty's house where I currently am. Uh, I have since, uh, backed out having had a, another daughter, um, actually got spit up on right when I was trying to leave to come here. So, uh, new, t-
1: new parents always have copious free time. Everybody knows this. Oh
0: yeah. So, uh, that free time is generally from. to uh, midnight, and thank you to my lovely wife Amanda for allowing me to chase these street dreams. So uh, Monty also does some 3D printing. He can be found on Twitter at KrollCo, and uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. This is going to be a lot of fun for you guys. So Monty, I'm sure tons of people think that making video games must be the most interesting thing in the world, but one thing I've learned in my life in doing these interviews is that no matter how exciting or glamorous a person's job may sound, it's just kind of their job to them. So what does a game developer for World of Warcraft do?
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. It's a great lead in, Brad. Thanks. Um, it, I, I, uh, I get this question a lot from people. They, they uh, think that maybe game development means going to work and playing games all day, all day. Um, sitting around in a conference room and throwing ping pong balls at each other, or brainstorming ideas. The media, of course, reinforces this heavily. If you've ever watched TV and they show game developers, there's all sorts of crazy stuff on TV. Um, What we do at work looks uh, shockingly like a job. It looks like work. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, I still tell my family I'm going to work in the morning. I don't say I'm going to play. Um, So so that's still a thing. We have a really fun, creative environment. Um, Game dev companies tend to be uh, very creative, expressive places. Uh, At the end of the day, we're building a product. So it's a big team that has to come together and execute a vision. Um, I lead a team of computer programmers, and ultimately we have to make sure we're building the right stuff and building the stuff right, which is sort of an aphorism, but it's a lot of what we do. So a a day for us is uh, getting together briefly in the morning and kind of talking about what happened yesterday and what everyone's working on in the morning um, or for the rest of the day, and making sure no one's blocked and then really kind of sitting down and digging into the day's problems. Uh, My team helps build internal software that we give to game designers and game artists so they can build all the stuff in the game. And uh, in that sense, we're sort of the long lever behind our team. Uh, If we give them good stuff, they build awesome things. Uh, If we give them bad stuff, it slows down the whole project. And uh, they make a a nasty uh, sort of picket line outside my office to complain to me. (laughs) Okay. Try to avoid that if possible. Of course, of course. Um, So, yeah, we we really try to be excellent in what we do because we uh, consider ourselves a force multiplier. We amplify the creative excellence of a really talented set of designers and artists who are building uh, just the awesome creative vision that's World of Warcraft. I've been part of that team for a long time, Mm -hmm. and it's super, super satisfying when it when it works, when it comes together, and it can also be really, really frustrating. It's sort of a um, a job of big highs and big lows. Okay,
0: so you are not necessarily plugging the values into the table of this many hit points and this many damage, and if you have this light armor, it is times two.
1: It's not. No, no, that's not my direct job. What we do is we try to give the uh, the designers the best tools possible to be able to do that. Okay. So we, we try to give them uh, as much control and uh, allow them to do that kind of as rapidly as possible. Honestly, if if we can, we try to make that part of their job fun also. That's something I've I've really challenged my team with. Let's let's make this stuff really awesome to use. Let's make it fun, if possible, sort of gamify the whole thing. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, all right. What is your earliest video gaming memory?
1: Wow. You're
0: um, a little bit older than me, so I don't want to say it's Pong or... <laughs> you know, Joust in the arcades, but...
1: uh Well, I'll out myself here. I'm 43. Okay. And uh, I think my uh, earliest game memories probably go back to mm, probably six or seven years old uh, when it was games like Joust in the arcade. Okay. Um, Hard to remember what the earliest one was. I can remember what I spent a lot of time on. There was a a corner store uh, that was on my way to school when I walked to school in Chicago. Um, uphill both ways in, of the, course, snow, in the snow, barefoot. Yep, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had a Donkey Kong machine. Okay. And uh, that one grabbed me really, really hard. And I remember sort of uh, marshaling every quarter I could get my hands on <laughs> into a, a, as consistent a fund as I could to drop quarters into that Donkey Kong machine until uh, I got pr- pretty good at it. Um, and of course, as new machines would would mm-hmm. come in, that's sort of how you branched out. There wasn't. A catalog to browse. Right, there was right. sort of no sense of upcoming releases. What's at the
0: corner store now? That's
1: that's pretty much it, and and it could change day to day. You had no idea. You'd walk in and hope your favorite machine was still there, and really the hopes were a little bit simpler. You'd hope your high score was still on the right, right. on the machine. If they turned it off overnight, right, it could be game <laughs> game over. It could be gone. A travesty. Yeah, all, all your progress lost. Right, all your dreams dashed. Yeah. Right there.
0: Okay. Okay. So from then, did you know video games was something you wanted to do, or was there something else you wanted to be when you grew up?
1: Well, I, I, I go, I'm old enough. Um, I go back far enough in that that I don't think it was really a sense that we ever looked at it as a job or career. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually think about how games got created at the time. There was just these magical things that, uh, that appeared. Um, I knew they commanded a lot of my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fortunate enough that by age 12... Uh, I got a computer in the house, and uh, that was a really, really great decision by uh, my mom um, on advice from an acquaintance, really. I don't actually even remember who, but someone she was discussing it with said, you know, you should think about getting a computer in the house. And uh, I, I had picked up a book from the library on uh, computer programming BASIC, which was sort of the, the way everyone cut their teeth then. This was in the 80s. Okay. Um, and uh, my mom... Uh, kind of stretched quite a lot, and bought an Atari 800XL computer. Okay. Uh, Mine was very special because it had 64 Kbytes of memory, which was sort of a luxury at the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember my first computer was a 2... The 200 megahertz chip had just came out, and we got a 133. And I think we had a 32 gig hard drive. Mm. And I think we had... 32 instead of 16 majors of RAM. It's crazy how you remember these things. Yeah, you know, that yeah, like you always seminal remember the moment.
1: Well, I'll talk about the silly stats then. Um, we uh, briefly looked at a Commodore 64 computer, mm-hmm. and uh, I had one for a week, and it was a lovely machine. I, I really liked it. A lot of people have great memories of it. Uh, I had a cassette tape. Okay. With it, a, we uh, had
0: those in second grade. I remember. Yeah,
1: a cassette drive, and it turns out for the same price, we were able to get an Atari computer with a disk drive, which Uh-oh. is sort of a luxury at the day. So we returned the Commodore, got the Atari, and that's moving on up. A little bit, yeah. Um, if you're interested in stats, it was 1.79 megahertz. Okay. Uh, that was the main 6502 processor, and all 64 kbytes of memory were addressable. This was the hot setup. And that's when you knew. <laughs> oh, that, that's when I knew. I, I uh, took to programming that really, really early on. Okay. Um, and just sort of learned as much as I could. And in addition to learning to program, it turns out I played a lot of video games. So okay. I, I spent a lot of time with that machine. What games? Oh, boy. Um, you're asking me to go way, way back. Way
0: back in the archives.
1: Uh, There was a game that the internet even has forgotten. Uh, long before there was the dungeon game called Gauntlet, I had a space shooter called Gauntlet. That was probably my favorite game of all time, and no trace of this remains. Uh, e- even even the deep mind of Google is yep, unable yep. to locate this thing. But I remember spending a ton of time with that. Um, had a, a game called Jumpman Jr., which goes back thousands of years, I think. <laughs> right right after the last Ice Age, I, th- I think, just after, after the Earth finished cooling, I, I'm pretty sure that game was released. Okay.
0: So it sounds like you're just trying to jot on this path where you knew this was something you were interested in. You started doing some of the work. It went okay. How do you parlay that into a career?
1: Uh, again, uh, a lot of time elapses in between, and I'm not going to claim that I had any, uh, any sort of cohesive plan in there. Uh, but let me give you the fast forward sure, on Sure, sure. So from the time I was a kid, I enjoyed video games immensely. That's what I did with a lot of my free time. Um, and I didn't have to worry about girls. I didn't have time for girls. Those games were going to play themselves. I mean, seriously, right? Um, so all, all the way through grade school and high school, I was a, a very avid video gamer. Um, I also picked up uh, uh, pen and paper RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, and, and, and those sort of kin. Okay. And uh, I took a liking to that. And of course, anything that sort of combined those was, was amazing. If you had early RPGs on, on the computer, that was a ton of fun. Old school Infocom text adventures. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I remember typing my way through that. that I was... remember
0: we played, there was Planetfall, yeah. and we played the other one that they made, Infidel, I think it was called. Yeah, And Planetfall was cool. Yeah. I remember we drew the map and mm-hmm. all the things you could type in. Planetfall, if, if you don't know what Monty's talking about, these were games where it was all text-based. So you 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 know enter the door, and then it sends you through the door, and then it describes what the room looks like. So in your head, you've got a kind of picture of this, and then it lists objects, and you can choose to interact with them and by interacting with these objects you get clues and all this stuff so it was pretty cool it's not if this sounds boring it's not nearly as boring as it sounds it it was actually pretty cool
1: yeah maybe i'm making it boring but uh the good news is you didn't have to worry about your video drivers uh they were always up to date for that sort of thing (laughs) 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 hey folks hey
0: be here all night because it's his house
1: um Anyway, I I spent quite a long time on uh, just playing video games. That was always my hobby. And I didn't really know what I was going to study. I wound up good at math and science. And uh, as I got into high school, um, I was looking towards uh, studying engineering because that was sort of the path that was. If you're good at math and science, you go into engineering. Eventually you get an engineering job as a high school student. It was like that for us in high school, too. Yeah. And it was very mysterious, though. We didn't really know what the careers were. We just know you're going to be an engineer. Okay, so so I did that and uh, I went to school. And with my excellent um, interest in video games and computer programming and my long background into it, I went into college and I studied aeronautical engineering, at least (laughs) for a couple of years.
0: Match made in heaven. Uh,
1: yeah, I I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, I well, I know now. I, I realized that what I loved was aviation mm-hmm. and the thought of flying and not actually aeronautics. Um, and after a couple of years of kind of gutting it out and hating thermodynamics and stuff, a, a close friend said to me, "Why are you doing this?" What are, I don't know. I don't. I'm really supposed kn- to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm supposed to. And the guidance
0: counselor told me.
1: Yeah, you should do aeronautics. Um, and he said to me, "You know, you've always loved computers and." programming why aren't you studying like computer science or electrical engineering or something um and i thought about that and uh, i wound up switching my major and uh, i wound up studying computer engineering still not planning to be in video games that okay. was an, that was an interest and i didn't realize that could be a career at that time so let's skip ahead a little bit Um, I went and studied all of this stuff, and I came out with a newly minted computer engineering degree, and I went and got a terrible job programming for hire. (laughs) And I was working on some miserable software and wearing a suit and going through the back door of a business to go sit in a server room by myself, but in a lovely suit. Okay. And I did that work like that for a couple years, uh, and I eventually moved to a much better job writing healthcare software, which is still not video games. Okay. And um, all this time, though, that's what I did with my free time. I I, I played games. Uh, it's actually when I discovered Blizzard games. My first Blizzard game was uh, Diablo. Okay. I think I discovered it in 1996. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that just knocked me on my butt. I'm like, holy moly, this is this is the greatest thing ever. I'm Diablo's gonna. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the one. That was the uh, the sort of the gateway drug the, hook. To the. Oh, very much so. And uh, honestly, that's when the light sort of went on. Like, hey, I I love this stuff. I wonder. Like, like, who makes these? Is Can this, this be a thing? Yeah, is this something I could do? You know, I was starting to l- learn a little bit about it.
0: Someone gets paid to make this.
1: Yeah, someone made them. You know, grown-ups yeah. grown probably, right? <laughs> I was 23 at the time. I'm like, okay. I'm a grown-up now. I, yeah. get a, I get a paycheck. I have to pay taxes. I have to buy my own car insurance. You're professional. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I started to wonder if I could, if I could do this. And um, by 1997, um, I was starting to uh, search sort of the nascent internet at the time for any information I could find about game development and you know who did this and who the companies were. And I'd learned a little bit of information about um, some of the really popular games at the time. Uh, Doom had come out a couple years before. Yep, yep. Quake we played a lot just, of Doom. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quake had just come out in 96. Yep. Um, Unreal, I think, had come out by then. Yep. Um, and I was kind of learning a little bit about who the people were. Some, some of those uh, developers had sort of turned into personalities mm-hmm. in the community. And I'd learned a little bit about them. And I found out that there was a conference in California. So I flew myself out to it, put the really expensive ticket on a, on a credit card, flew myself out, uh, made a whole bunch of contacts, uh, met a whole bunch of people, passed out my resume, talked to everyone, and I got exactly zero job offers out of it, hmm. uh, which was sort of not unexpected. I right, d- didn't right. really have any experience in the field, didn't know a lot about it. But what I did get was a subscription to a trade magazine. And uh, I got that magazine, and I read it, and about a year later, there was an ad in the back of the magazine for a job that was one mile from my girlfriend's house. Okay. And uh, my girlfriend's parents decided to sell their house, and I decided to buy that house and apply for that job. And I wrote the best resume and cover letter I could, and... I told them, I don't have a lot of experience, but I have a lot of enthusiasm. I've played a lot of games. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's what I've learned on my own. And I'd like a chance. and I can hit the ground running. And they called me and uh, went in for an interview. And we had a great face-to-face talk. And they offered me a job. And suddenly, I was a game developer. There you go. And that was um, about August of 1998. Okay. And uh, I learned a ton on that job for a couple of years working so, for.
0: So, this was not Blizzard?
1: This was not Blizzard. Okay. Blizzard was not my first job. I was working for a teeny tiny game studio uh, called Game Refuge okay. in Chicago, uh, suburbs of Chicago. And um, not many people have heard of Game Refuge, but the guys who started that studio worked on tons of classic arcade games. Stuff you probably played Tron and Spy Hunter and Spy Hunter, yeah, yeah, uh, Rampage, yeah, Rampage, Xenophobe, and a lot of other super classic arcade games, and uh, yeah, they hit a little studio, and so I worked on an arcade game for a couple of years, and called, uh, never. Let's see, yeah, you know, it did hit the streets. It was a Star Trek Voyager gun game. Okay, so it was called Star Trek Voyager the Gun Game very creative <laughs> title give
0: the people what they want <laughs> that was a search engine optimized it sounds like
1: yeah it didn't take a lot to uh, to sort of arrive at the uh, the title for that um, but yeah we worked on it with a tiny team um, and uh, after that uh, they didn't have a lot of projects going on and so I started looking for their work and at the time I discovered Starcraft had been playing a lot of it mm-hmm. and uh, that same sort of spirit took over I want to I want to work with those guys I want to I want to work with this team yeah and uh, there was a job opening and Blizzard's website, um, one of the, uh, again, it's 1998, so it's still sort of on the rise of the internet. Yeah, so yeah. job postings on the, uh, on the internet were still sort of a, a rarity yeah. at the time. That, w- that was still sort of a new thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I sent in a cover letter and a resume, and uh, they called me. And uh, we had a great talk on the phone. And I flew out to California and uh, got a job offer. And then we packed up the house, moved out. October of 2000, I, I started Blizzard, and I've been there since. It's going down.
0: So in October of 2000, I had been at Vanguard University for two months. I was way, way, way into the original Command & Conquer, GDI versus Nod. Uh, I always played as GDI, and then I would put the uh, engineers in the transport carrier, drive right into the middle of the base during the madness, take over the buildings, and start zapping people. That was kind of my, <laughs> my sneaky play. Um, some friends tried to get me into StarCraft, and it was just too complicated. I couldn't handle it. It was way, way too much stuff and way too much. You had to build this before you could build that, before you could build the other thing, and that, my brain just kind of exploded.
1: Yeah, it was my first RTS, actually, that I'd ever played, and uh, um, I, it just blew me away. It was, uh, it was fun. It was polished. Um, it had uh, incredible sound to it. It um, had incredible feel. Um, I thought I was good at it so I started playing with some other guys in the office. They started mopping the floor with me, but you know still <laughs> I tried to lose graciously. yeah uh, still enjoyed it a lot. And uh, yeah, I just you know I was really inspired by that and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be part of the team that helped build those things. So that, that was really the big inspiring moment where I thought, hey, I'm you know I've got some skills, I've got some experience. Um, I love this product. I would love to be part of that team mm-hmm. and, and that was really the first time that that it really became very directed for me.
0: Okay. Now if I remember right, Warcraft and Starcraft came out kind of around the same time, and they were similar RTS games, right?
1: So, Warcraft was 1994.
0: Okay, I remember that. That was right around the time I got that first computer.
1: Yeah, you know. I uh, think
0: it came with a trial of Warcraft, if I remember right. Oh,
1: uh, that's cool. Yeah, that. that I think. Possibly the old, old DOS game. Uh, yeah. Actually, before my time at Blizzard, right? I started in 2000. But, 94, uh, 97, I think. Uh, 96 was. Diablo ninety seven was Warcraft two. Okay,
0: that's what it was. It was Warcraft two because yeah. that would have been right in that time frame. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's what a lot of people loved. I had friends who played Warcraft two. I never, I never got onto it. Um, the first one I uh, got onto was Starcraft, mm-hmm. um, and I and I hopped from Diablo to Starcraft. And the funny part that I that I learned later was those were actually made by two different studios. Right, Diablo was Blizzard North, mm. and um, uh, they were based in San Mateo, and Starcraft was built uh, right here in Irvine. Mm-hmm and uh it was all just sort of blizzard to me then and i was just kind of starstruck by by these amazing games and it and really course. really lit a fire for me okay i actually in 2000 i was hired by the world of warcraft team okay. and uh they didn't actually tell me what i was going to be working on until i until i started uh it was they then now it's we but, right, right. But, but then it was they and um i uh sort of got surprised my my first day when they explained the project to me
0: now, did they know at the time that it was going to turn into this massive success, pop culture phenomenon? I mean, did they know it was going to blow up like that? Did they no. know that demand was there?
1: No, 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 no one, no one sort of knew. Um, all the games that came before World of Warcraft that were that style um, were very small. The the largest one uh, in the U.S. hit um, about four hundred thousand subscribers. Oh wow! Uh, and um, at one point, we were over thirteen million for World of Warcraft, we didn't know. I mean, we didn't set out to make a giant um, behemoth of a game. Right. We set out to make a game that we wanted to play, something that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sort of our own best critic and uh, our own best customer. Of course. And uh, we just didn't know. We didn't know how big that audience could be. And it turned out we sort of sort of hit a vein, I think, or an artery uh, with it, and uh, there was just an incredible groundswell of excitement. People who already loved Warcraft, um, and we got to do a lot of fun things with it, and it turned out there was a whole lot more people who wanted to play that style of game, mm-hmm. and it turns out, for whatever other reason, they didn't play any of the ones that were out there, mm. but they wanted to try that. They wanted to play with their friends. They wanted to be social. They wanted to, uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of factors that went in, but mm. now we, we kind of didn't know.
0: When did you first find out about Leroy Jenkins?
1: Uh well, I I personally found out about Leroy Jenkins when we were watching a video passed around the office.
0: If you guys don't know, um I don't know if I don't know if this is describable in a short amount of time, but there's <laughs> multiple people that are clearly about to go in a dungeon or some kind of raid or something and they're clearly plotting what's going to happen when they go into this room and I haven't, to be honest. I've never played World of Warcraft, so I can't, I can't speculate on <laughs> this area that they're in. But they're clearly preparing for an arduous task, and uh, whether it's staged or not, it's very much like someone come, someone like was standing there, left to go do something, and then comes back and just rushes in. Uh, Let's do this, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, and yeah, so the, basically <laughs> ruins all the planning and aforethought that went into this uh, particular endeavor.
1: Yeah, the the joke is that the the meticulous planning that's going on ahead of time that was actually a really hard part of the game at the time and okay. uh, required a lot of coordination. And if you did it wrong, you'd all die. So the uh, the joke is that uh, everyone in the team is trying to plot their their well orchestrated <laughs> roles. And where's that guy? Uh, he'll be back in a second. He'll be fine. And, <laughs> and he just he just goes launching in, and of course they all die. So. <laughs> um, it 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 really became our rallying cry. We still yell it around the office. And, oh you know, yeah, I, I think, imagine. Uh, I think it's slowly being replaced by YOLO now. Okay, but yeah. uh, that—that that was our version of YOLO about 10 years ago. We would yell Leroy instead of YOLO.
0: <laughs> yeah, just if you did, just YouTube Leroy Jenkins because I I don't play the game and the first time I saw it it was hilarious.
1: Yeah, the best part is the character's name is Leroy. He yells his own name as he's running into combat. So could you imagine? It? You're gonna you're gonna charge in it like William Wallace is running into combat yelling William Wallace instead of freedom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, you're right. I think that is now YOLO. (laughs) So in video games, um, it seems that sometimes players discover things that you didn't necessarily intend to be used that way. Um, I remember a couple years ago, Destiny had that loot cave where it was just pumping out high-level gear and people were camping out. I remember in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I was always parking a tank and a somehow i crammed a helicopter into my mansion so that i would always have it when i went back
1: i could always just
0: get the helicopter out and take off and uh anything that you that you guys had to fix that you didn't expect it to be used a certain way that players ended up doing x or y with it
1: oh my gosh we have the well uh the technical term for that is called a bug
0: (laughs) okay fairly innocuous
1: um, and, uh, yeah, we fixed a countless number of them over the years. Um, there, there's definitely been humorous ones. Um, you know, uh, bugs can uh, make the game not fun, especially for groups of players because the game can crash or can give someone an advantage or whatever, right? So take a very serious note. This is this is not a laughing matter to us. Of course. Um, but uh, so those get fixed, and, you know, we try to try to repair the damage. Um, sometimes we have some really crazy Crazy fun ones and some really unexpected ones. Um, there was uh, a really interesting bug that happened early on in WoW that actually got studied by epidemiologists. Hmm. Um, it turned out that we had um, a spell effect that was supposed to cause like a contagious plague <laughs> on players. Uh, okay. And um,
0: I think I see where this is going. <laughs>
1: And it spread way <laughs> beyond the area it was supposed to be contained to. And it wound up contaminating almost all the players in World of Warcraft. And wow. it had an amazing spread uh, through, through the player base because uh, it wasn't properly contained to the area of the world where it was supposed to be. And it turned out to be an interesting study hmm. uh, in epidemiology and, and, the, and the spread through a population. And it uh, turned out uh, no human testing was required, but epidemiologists <laughs> looked at the data of how this spread through millions of players um, and eventually, we had to uh, uh, fix, we had to put a fix in the game to stop the spread. Players, wow. players were unable, they would kind of get clean for a while and then go to an area where someone else was infected and get infected again. And it maybe reflected reality a little Digital bit. Digital leprosy? Much. A little bit, yeah.
0: What, what was the in house term for this thing? Uh,
1: we just, it was uh, good question. The Black no. Death of Mordor? No, like it was a blood plague. I think it was called a blood plague or something. <laughs> and and it just. we have all sorts of grody sounding things in the game. Um, a, another fun one that was uh, an unintended one was, um, uh, I'd say, maybe about four years ago. Um, in one of the expansions, um, we made um, some of the uh, characters. You're running around as sort of a character in the world, a hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them can shapeshift into other forms. So one of the character classes can shapeshift into the form of a, a giant stag and run around. It's his travel form. Uh, other characters can mount up on a horse or a ram or whatever and run through the world. But mm-hmm. but the druid character class can actually shapeshift, turn into his own mount. Um, and we thought, hey, it'd be really cool if uh, you know someone else could ride you. <laughs> OK. OK. Right? All so, jokes aside. <laughs> well, this is very serious stuff. This is, right? this is
0: a family podcast here. Monty. All joking aside. <laughs> but
1: So you turn into a stag, and another player can, can get on your back, and you can carry him around. And uh, so the bug was that other player could also be a droid <laughs> who could change into a stag.
0: Sorry. And then,
1: and then some guy could jump onto that and change in. <laughs>
0: stags all the way down. It, oh,
1: totally. So players made these enormous <laughs> stacks. <laughs> the stacking stags. Like
0: that uh, scene in Inside Out with the boyfriend. It's yeah, where they exactly. they straight right. up into the sky.
1: Yeah, I'm from Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: That's exactly I would what die they for you. I would die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Riley. That's exactly what they did. They made these huge stacks to the sky. Um, so we had to hot fix that out. We had to. So how them do out.
0: You, yeah? So how do you guys find these things? Like, do you, is there someone that's in the game all the time watching people? Is like Edward Snowden of Warcraft out there? Or... <laughs> Like, or does there's some kind of code where you guys are watching it, like the Matrix, and all of a sudden you see it, like, how do these things get brought to you guys' attention?
1: Uh, well, it turns out people, uh, um, all uh, for every game, not just our game, but for every game, people um, like to share things, funny mm-hmm. things that have happened in game, and uh, they're not very good at keeping their mouths closed. So it turns out there's a lot of forums. Um, people put them on YouTube. They take videos. They they tweet it. They put it on Facebook. They put it on Instagram. Um, it, it gets to us through through a lot of ways. Uh, we're gamers also, so yep. we're also participating in a lot of those communities. And, uh, and then sometimes if they're just bugs, they, they just contact us and ask for help. Uh, no one asked for help with unstacking the stags. That was right. just something that <laughs> we wound up seeing some really funny pictures.
0: So is there someone's official job at Blizzard who's on YouTube and they've typed in world of Warcraft glitch and they're just clicking refresh over and over
1: uh i don't actually even know if that's someone's (laughs) job (laughs) they're on Uh, the other campus no but most most games including ours have uh, community managers um and uh their their job is to interact with uh the fan base really the community and kind of understand what uh um sort of the zeitgeist of, of, of what's going on out there um pretty much every every game has this now and it's really a great way to stay in in touch with uh with the people who play the games, and, and it turns out we're in the community also. Um, uh, like mm-hmm. I said, we we love developing. Uh, th- this goes all the way back, you know. It turns out because I loved games early on, I, you know, I like developing games, and not everyone does. Some people mm-hmm. don't don't make the transition from game player to game maker. Most. Yeah. Well, and you, and it's kind of natural. You can understand that for anything else. You, some people like I listen to a lot of music, but I didn't become a musician. Right. There's a you're difference. Missing out. Well, there you're you go. missing out. So say we all. <laughs> um but uh uh because we're involved in the community um you know i think a a lot of these things happen in in our own gaming communities and people experience it up front right like we see it in our own games we see it in other games we play it kind of word gets around
0: this is going to be a thing now every time i look at you i'm just going to imagine a stack of stags from the ground into the sky it's
1: so uh, I'll tell you uh, uh, the aftermath of that. We d- we did patch out the stacking stags, um, <laughs> but what we did is we uh, um, put a little item in game. It's a little toy stag, and if you put one on the ground, um, another player can put one on it, and they stack. That's so cool. We stopped stacking the people, but uh, we put a little toy out that you could participate with to remember the stacking stags.
0: Okay. So how? What's the tallest? Oh, st- I don't know. <laughs> in game now. Real tall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. I've heard about crunch, where we're about to ship, we're about to publish, and we're all working 20-hour days and sleeping on our couches. Is any crunch war stories this part of your life? Is this part of, you know, it comes with the job, or is that more of a horror story, last, worst-case scenario?
1: Well, um so, uh, yeah, I've been in the industry a, a long time at Blizzard other st- and uh, another studio, and I work with a lot of people who've been to a lot of studios. Crunch is a real thing. Um, it's sort of an accepted truth, or it has been an accepted truth, that uh, um, you know we can never quite get to the end of project on time, so it's mm-hmm. going to take overtime to get it. And uh, um, it was always sort of held up as a, as a truism. You know, you're going to have to put an extra time to, uh, to finish the project. Um, I think that uh, I, the industry is getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. If you look at game development as an industry, um, it's a really young industry, right? The, uh, the first systems that um, people could buy, like the first video game systems, um, hit in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And the oldest game developers aren't very old, like like the first game developers are just hitting retirement age now. Okay. So it used to uh, sort of be held up as a really young person's job, and the idea was, hey, we're passionate, we love what we do, we're going to do it as many hours of the day as we can, <laughs> and uh, we don't need sleep, right? We can of course we've not. got caffeine and yeah, and sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, and then if the caffeine makes you too jittery, you have a few beers, take the edge off, and, and uppers and downers, uppers and downers, all all at once. Um, and uh, I, I think. Um, the, uh, the dialogue is changing in, in the game industry. And uh, we're moving um, away from kind of relying on crunch and mm-hmm. starting to look at work-life balance. Um, as we as an industry get a little older, we get um, a little more married, there's more families, there's more kids. Um, we start to think about inter- uh, introducing our kids to the industry so they get to see us at work. In some cases, we actually have two generations of game developers. Oh, wow. Right at work. Um, actually, my old job, I worked with um, uh, the dad, and now the son is uh, one of the lead designers. That's that's at the job I used to work at. And then I know a couple of sets of, um, you know, parent and child developers right at Blizzard. And uh, I think when we look towards that, we need to move away from uh, the idea that we have to sleep in the office to of to get the product done, and start to look at you know how do we. Uh, make sure we have family time Uh, we build these awesome games are the games we can enjoy together Um, i'm really proud of the games we build because i feel like they're um great ways to bring families together um it's stuff we can play together and we can have fun at we can laugh at we can feel heroic we can adventure together um there's a lot of games that do a really good job with that and uh you know I, i love ours for that and i love being able to share that so i've been through quite a lot of crunches but uh i think we'll Maybe keep those in the past.
0: <laughs> so no real horror stories?
1: Uh, we had some bad ones. Um, a lot of time spent in the office. I think uh, the longest time I spent, um, looking back, I, I remember um, spending about two and a half days almost continuously in the office and grabbing catnaps on a, on a sofa. Um, and I was working uh, trying to get installers together for uh, for a game. So we were working on trying to master the final disks. and. Uh, um, I had some uh, sort of benefactors in the office. Uh, I had one producer who would just bring me bags of tacos.
0: <laughs> well, that didn't sound so bad. That
1: yeah, was pretty good, actually. <laughs> I thought it was actually it's actually very thoughtful at the time. He's like, "Can I bring you something?" He would bring me some some sodas and some bags of tacos, and and uh, just try to you know, like he he knew that we were working on some miserable last minute stuff that had to get finished, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just trying to trying to really help um, sort of ease the pain there. Yeah, we hit some some really intense periods but an, anymore we really try to um, avoid those and make it somewhere where you can um somewhere where you can work but also like enjoy really yeah. try to enjoy life outside of work
0: yeah and i imagine logistically as we move more towards these things going out over the internet it's not so bad where we've got this published date so the physical media has to be done by x day so we have to have it tested by this day so that we can make that deadline i mean. As we move to a more digital rollout, does that become less complicated?
1: Um
0: or will mm, they just always be crunch?
1: Yeah, it's uh well we still make media, so that, that hasn't that hasn't really changed. Um I, I think what's happened is we've tried to understand um uh but I, I think relying on crunch was always sort of a substitute for planning earlier okay making decisions earlier Mm -hmm. and uh i think we're learning that we just have to get better at that part
0: okay any preconceived misconceptions about game developers game programmers uh that you'd like to put to bed once and for all i mean i imagine it's not all red bull and
1: doritos well i I think the uh the the idea is that it's uh you know kind of a heavily caffeine fueled nerf gun fight environment (laughs) um (laughs) And uh, it's, it's really not very much like that. I think day to day, I have a lot of technical conversations with people. We talk about programming. Um, we talk about uh, product management. We talk about, um, today I was talking about how to do release management on a piece of software. And we were talking about the lowest risk way to release a particular piece of software. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really sound like game development. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, th- there's a lot of moving parts. Um, game dev is, is hard work, and it's still a job. And it's incredibly fun and incredibly rewarding. Um, and our definition of fun might be different than, than other people's definition of fun. Uh, it's not the same fun as playing the game. Uh, but uh, there's, there's definitely a, a reward from sort of, um, I sort of view it as putting together your favorite toy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always loved building things, right? That, that's always been my passion from the time I was uh, a kid. I took things apart and I liked rebuilding them. And I loved any sort of construction set. Um, and uh, game development to me is like a gigantic construction set, and what I get to build at the end is uh, just new worlds, right, creative things, and uh, I, I love that part, um, but it's still work, right, we're still building things, we're, we're developing, we have schedules, um, we have sort of a um, I view it as a, a contract mm-hmm. with uh, with the players. Um, they trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know stay with our game. They they're very passionate. They want to see the game. Um, they want to know what happens next in the story. And so you know our our side of the contract is to deliver that. And uh, that means we got to lay aside the nerf fights <laughs> and uh, actually knuckle down and, and do the Brush hard work. Brush off the on Dorito a, dust. Yeah, and the 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 Cheeto mustache. Right. We gotta gotta wipe <laughs> that off and get back to work.
0: Now, um, do you guys ever just mess with people? Like, is there some golden sword buried in some cave that's got a million hit points and is like instant death? And I mean, do you guys ever just build stuff and hide it just to just to see what happens? Uh, No, no,
1: I I can't really speak to that.
0: (laughs) I think that means yes. So if you're playing right now, uh, get a shovel, start digging.
1: Um, yeah, no, a, a, a big part, um, so we have a set of core values that, that guide what we do at Blizzard, and one, one of our core values is play nice, play fair, okay. and uh, it's incredibly important to us that um, the game is, is fair and fun for everyone. Uh, so we don't hide the sort of thousand truths, as as it was mentioned in South Park. We we don't have that.
0: The holy yeah. hand grenade and all that. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: none of that stuff. It it turns out to uh, be fun for one person and not for everyone else. So we we don't do those.
0: But then you guys can just give him the uh, blood plague, and then it's all over. So.
1: Yeah, there you go. Bring the blood plague back.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, we'll, let's put that on a hat. All right, we're in the home stretch here. What do you think so far has been your biggest triumph? Is there a specific instance? Is there a specific game that you got out? Is there a specific process that you feel like you've perfected? Is it getting into the industry at all? What do you think has been your biggest triumph so far?
1: Well, um, I, I, I think um, a, as a personal triumph, um, I've been a game developer for a long time, and uh, I just kind of didn't understand if it was a, a long-term career or not. I, I think no game developers. Really did. I think, um, as I mentioned before, it's a young industry, and we didn't really um, sort of know what the future would hold. Um, computer programmers in general always heard the uh, the narrative: "Oh, you're going to be obsolete by the time you're you're thirty, right? right. You're going to need to change careers," and that um, just hasn't happened. And it turns out that um, definitely. Um, I I think the younger people coming in come in with a ton of enthusiasm and they're they're really um, they have a lot of energy and they're you know young computer programmers can just turn out tons and tons of work and it turns out there's no substitute for experience Um, just sort of having been through shipping a project and understanding what happens and knowing what a project looks like and when it's unfolding well and what's going off the rails and knowing when we're at risk and what's going well and what isn't and uh i'm kind of just you know i'm still i don't want to say proud but i'm but i'm really amazed that um we can still add a lot of value to a project the 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 people like me who've been in the industry for a long time uh we've seen some stuff and we can try to bring that to bear on projects and uh, i think it really helps Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. we talked a little bit about work-life balance before we done on air, just talking about, you know, as yeah, we were sure. crafting the conversation. Yep. Um, we talked a little bit about crunch. You know, yeah, we talked sure. about the long hours and making sure things get done. How do you balance that need with deadlines with also your responsibilities as a husband and father being involved? I know your kids are homeschooled, yeah, sure, so, you sure. know, balancing all that together.
1: So um, I, I think one thing that's, that's um, really helped is sort of being transparent with my family. Um, they uh, understand pretty well what I do. I've taken my kids to work and they, they see where I work and, and they or I've tried to keep them uh, involved and, and help them understand the way things are going and and what the importance of of uh, the job is. and I don't value the job above my family um, you know my my family I think uh, they they understand that. Um, the job's important. I I'm the, uh, I'm the one who gets the paycheck in the house. My wife has the really hard unpaid job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate that I have the hard paid job, but she right. has the the unpaid job. She works harder than I do and just doesn't get a check for it. Um, so I, I, they're very understanding about that and they um, get to see I mean the, the cool part is they're sort of connected to it, right because they can I, I bring the game home. Mm-hmm. and they can play it and they know that dad works on this. And I think that, you know, if you work in other industries, you, oh, daddy works on an insurance system. Right, Or right. daddy, like the kids don't necessarily get to interact with it. And I think that it gives us a, a big level of understanding. Uh, the The cool part is um, my employer is very, very understanding too and understands work-life balance. So I think that um, part of it is sort of an, uh, an, an implicit contract. You know, I, I work very hard when I'm at work or we all work very hard when we're at work and they understand when we say, Hey, I got to take off. I, you know, I want to go see my kids play or, you know, I need a little bit of time to do this and I'll make it up later. We have a lot of flexibility in that. And I understand what an incredible gift that is, um, to work in an in industry or in a, a company that's very, very understanding mm-hmm. and supports the employees like that for the things they want to do outside of work. And it really helps kind of, Glue everything together, mm-hmm. or I can work very hard and then, like family, very hard, right, 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 and uh, that's that's super important to me. And and I'm, I feel um, I'm incredibly blessed in this because I'm supported on both ends, right? I'm supported at work for this, and I'm supported at home, right, for this. And I just realize what a what a gift that is. That's what it's all about.
0: Going forward, how do you think you define success for yourself?
1: Well. Uh, uh, let's see
0: personally professionally miniatures (laughs) coffee roasting 3d printing
1: well um, again I feel very blessed already right I have um, a great job I have an incredible family Mm -hmm. Um, my kids are old enough now that you know we're starting to play some of my games stuff that I've worked on right we're we're playing together Um, and uh, Star Trek Voyager the done game you know, it's funny. I worked uh, the other program. There was only two programmers who worked on it, and uh, when I contacted the other programmer, um, I saw it in the wild years ago, at, at, right here at Spectrum. And I, I called him up and I said, "Hey, I saw a game. It's 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 actually at Spectrum. You can you can play it there." And he said, "Did you play it, or did you pour a drink down it?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> pour one out for it, or yeah, pour pour one
1: out. Yeah, I said. Uh, um. It's uh um I, I I success is um for me just uh really investing in the the next generation, and um primarily that's at home right mm-hmm. in investing in the kids and I think I think all parents do that for right? sure right and so much of what we do becomes redefined in terms of um bringing up that next gen and trying to set them on the right path right and you know we're trying to have our kids involved at church, and I want them involved in sports, understanding what it means to be on a team Mm -hmm. and having good values and learning respect and all those things, and then uh, trying to teach them what it means to be successful in the workplace. And that means being a good employee, being dependable, showing up, um, being a leader. And there's so many lessons there. And so success to me means um, kind of hitting those high notes everywhere on top of that is gravy um i get some hobby time right i get to to do these fun things and now right. i get to do them with my kids it's kind of hard to imagine it getting better right right, right. I, like i feel like feel like we're kind of there right? i feel very very fortunate in that space
0: we talked about biggest triumph how about biggest failure or disappointment in your career so
1: far <laughs> of many <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> Well, uh I I feel the, like
0: the blood plague is it the blood plague? No, nah,
1: I'll tell you a fun war story. Well, talking um, about
0: that, was that would you say that was your department's fault the no, blood plague no, no, not Okay. No, no, that okay. was
1: that was just an uh just a fun sort of unintended consequence. Okay. Um I'll, I'll tell you a story that goes uh off long before blizzard. Um I I come from a a single parent um family, so um my uh, parents divorced when I was very young, and I didn't. I, I knew my father, but not not very well. So I was primarily raised by my by my mom. Um, and I was the first one in my family to go to college. Um, so, um, but very fortunate that my mom worked very hard to make sure I could could go to college. But but in that, I didn't have a lot of guidance into what I was gonna be when I grew up. Right. Uh, right. Some would argue that I haven't really grown up, right? We're sort of, we all have sort of Peter Pan syndrome. I think that's
0: the goal, so I'd say you've made it in that regard.
1: Yeah, I think it's fun. I have a closet full of fun T-shirts, and uh, you know, people bring their dogs to work, and you know, all sorts of nerdy stuff happens. But let's pretend I grew up and had to get a job, okay? okay? Um, so when I was in in college, um, I was uh, interviewing for for some jobs, and uh, I, I mentioned much earlier on that. Uh, when I, I started my first job, I had this terrible, terrible programming job that I got and I didn't really know what it was going to be. Right. But it turned out it paid what would cons- sort of be considered very poor money but to a college student who had no money, it looked fantastic. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Rolling. Yeah, it looked it
1: looked absolutely awesome. It was laughably bad, right, but it looked <laughs> awesome at the time. So what happened was uh, when I was interviewing for jobs, um, I uh, had um, a set of interviews lined up and... Um, I interviewed for this one company, and they contacted me within a couple of days and made me a job offer. And the job offer was bad, and that's the one I wound up taking, but I didn't really know any better. And so I went back through, and I canceled all the other interviews. And one of the interviews that I canceled, so some of them I had requested. I wanted Mm -hmm. to interview with some companies. I was going to school in, Mm -hmm. in Central Illinois, University of Illinois, So uh, it was very common to interview with Ford. It was very common to interview with John Deere and some other companies that recruited heavily out of the university. Okay. Um, I had requested those interviews. I had been invited to an interview by one particular organization, and I canceled that interview because I had a job set up, and I never went to it. And that uh, was a little organization called JPL.
0: Okay. Jet Propulsion Laboratory.
1: Yeah, and they've done a couple little things like... Go to space? Yeah, Mars Lander, (laughs) that sort of thing.
0: You know, and if you guys don't know that movie, The Martian, when they're at the place in Pasadena, that's JPL.
1: So I told JPL, oh, I don't need your interview. (laughs) I have a crappy programming job.
0: I don't like uh, solving... Mankind's biggest problems and saving people's lives and problem solving. Going to space. Going to space, the final frontier. Building
1: <laughs> robots. Going to Mars. I don't need any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, whatever. I've got a job. I'm going to go work in a server room.
0: <laughs> the dungeon.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I wasn't that smart at uh, at 22. No, it um, is 21, 22. So, no one is. so that was probably a mistake. I, I'm not at all um, disappointed with how things turn out. I, I'm incredibly blessed in in uh what I'm doing with the people I know, being able to even be here and talk with you, I, I think is just just incredible. Uh but I'll always remember that uh yeah that, that wasn't a, that wasn't a great idea back wow. then. I pro- probably should have talked to them.
0: <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if this video game thing hadn't worked out, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Uh, well, before I got into video games, I was writing healthcare software, okay. and and it turns out, you know, some people kind of roll their eyes at that, but uh, it was really interesting. Um, I learned a ton. Uh, there was still a lot of interesting problems to solve. I think everyone feels the frustration when you walk into a medical office; um, you still get handed paper forms. Yep. Um, there's still a lot of paper in hospitals. Actually, hospitals are starting to computerize. Yeah. Now we're starting to see it now, but I was working on that stuff in 1996. Mm-hmm. And people or certain hospitals were using our software in 1996. So we had a 20-year head start on, uh, on building that stuff. And I think had I stayed in that, there was still a ton of interesting problems to solve. I think if I hadn't gotten into games, I would still be doing that.
0: Hmm. If you did go back to the start of your journey. And let's forget the JPL stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to repeat that, JPL. that that would have been pretty cool. Um, (laughs) If you go back to the start of your journey in video games, anything you tell yourself or anything you might tell a young programmer wanting to get into the industry or a young developer or someone that thinks they've got it all figured out, what would you tell a young Monty Krull?
1: I think that a a big set of lessons I've learned over the years is um, they're sort of knowing uh, how to program a computer and there's a difference between that and understanding the vision of a project. Um, a, a project is uh, something bigger, and I I had to learn some some lessons, um, butting heads with people um, in earlier jobs and uh, even in game development. Just just kind of knowing, you know, hey, I know how to program this thing, and that doesn't necessarily mean I know how to finish a project, how to carry it over the finish line. And it turns out there's a there's a, a lot of uh, skill and understanding that, that goes to that. I, I think probably what I would tell myself is to um, listen better, um, sort of a, a, a hard-learned lesson. But, but I think that um, kind of everything that kind of fell out of that would be sort of, sort of listening to, to what people are telling me better and you know, not, not thinking I have the right answer.
0: Yeah, wow, 20-something-year-old entry-level employees. Maybe you should listen. Who would have thought?
1: Yeah, that, that's crazy talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, earth-shattering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're 20-something, you do think it's earth-shattering.
0: You know what I've figured out in my life is that it feels like every couple of years, it's like, oh, now I know what's going on. And back then, I was stupid. And then, like, you go down a couple more years, it's like, oh, no, now I know what's going on. Now now I've got it under control. Back then, I was stupid. I didn't know what I was talking about. And that just keeps just keeps going on and on and on. I Now I know. Then I was wrong. And you know,
1: I, I read a great book on this, and it was talking about sort of um, us predicting what our future happiness would be. And it said, in a sense, we sort of treat our, our future selves like our children, and our future <laughs> selves are very spoiled brats. They they always look back and are never grateful for we it. We try to do our best for our future selves, and our future selves never appreciate our efforts. They say, oh, they just did not know what they were doing.
0: How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> Listen, future selves. <laughs>
1: be kind to your future self. And future kind. self, be kind to your past self. Your past self is really trying, so so please be kind.
0: If if Dart Brown never shows up in the DeLorean, <laughs> you remember that future self.
1: I do. I'm so nerdy on Back to the Future. I got 88 printed on. Uh, I, I picked that for my number for my hockey jersey. <laughs> of course, <laughs>
0: of course. All right, Monty. This has been really fun. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, we talked a lot. About a lot of stuff here. Video games, life, uh, the future. We talked a little bit about 3D printing, all kinds of stuff. Any last words of advice?
1: Drink more coffee. It turns out uh, it's good for you.
0: (laughs) You know, I read a study a while back about how coffee protects my liver from the harmful effects of alcohol. And supposedly alcohol will help prevent my prostate from getting cancer. So from what I... If I can paraphrase, I can say Jesus loves us.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's the conclusion I drew from from all of that. Uh, I, I think so. <laughs> I, I think uh, coffee protects from uh, certain types of liver disease and liver cancer and can protect from Parkinson's disease. Um, I really think you should drink more coffee. Um, I was uh, doing my health a favor tonight during this very interview.
0: Indeed. Indeed he was. I can attest to that. All right, you can find Monty on... Twitter at Krolco K-R-O-L-C-O Monty again is a game developer with Blizzard Entertainment working on World of Warcraft.
1: I tweet about uh, game development Um, I tweet about 3D printing uh, hockey and absurdity which is uh, I like absurd humor. Absurdity. So I will tweet about uh, silly statements and things taken out of context
0: I can attest to that having been (laughs) his friend for a couple years now This has been the Maslow Peak Podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. You can find us on the web at themaslowpeak.com. We can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud. You can also check out our Instagram at themaslowpeak and also follow us on Twitter or Facebook for behind-the-scenes stuff. Lonnie, this has been really great. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks, Brett. I've had a ton of fun. This
0: is awesome. And we've been meaning to do this for a while. I'm glad we got together. Loving it. All right. Uh, We'll see you guys soon. Bye.